Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we are going to be talking about The Viscount Who Loved Me by Julia Quinn. This came out in 2000. And it is the second in the Bridgerton series. Which we are reviewing once a month until the new show comes out. Yeah, until until we're done. So we started it and we're going to finish it once a month. And we might, if depending on when the show releases, have to speed that up or slow that down. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, overall, what did you think? So I've talked about this before. I'm a longtime Julia Quinn fan. I read this book a while ago, enjoyed it a lot. I think that rereading them is just bringing up the flaws. I, I feel bad saying that I didn't love it. It's not um, as rapey as The Duke and I in hindsight. So like upgrade. It's, a, it's an upgrade. <laughs> There's less non-consensual stuff. stuff. But there still is some non-consensual Yeah, but stuff. it's less. But it's less. <laughs> it's unquestionably less. All right, all right. Let's, let's start, as usual, with the book jacket. Okay. 1814 promises to be another eventful season, but not, this author believes, for Anthony Bridgerton, London's most elusive bachelor who has shown no indication that he plans to marry. And in all truth, why should he? When it comes to playing the consummate rake, nobody does it better. Lady Whistledown Society Papers, April 1814. But this time the gossip columnists have it wrong. Anthony Bridgerton hasn't just decided to marry, he's even chosen a wife. The only obstacle is his intended's older sister, Kate Sheffield, the most meddlesome woman ever to grace a London ballroom. The spirited schemer is driving Anthony mad with her determination to stop the betrothal. But when he closes his eyes at night, Kate's the woman haunting his increasingly erotic dreams. Contrary to popular belief, Kate is quite sure that reformed rakes do not make the best husbands, and Anthony Bridgerton is the most wicked rogue of them all. Kate's determined to protect her sister, but she fears her own heart is vulnerable, and when Anthony's lips touch hers, she's suddenly afraid she might not be able to resist the reprehensible rake herself. Not a bad book jacket. Not bad. This, I think, yeah, tells you what you're going to get. Yeah, this... That's the premise. Anthony's basically so... So he's the oldest of the Bridgerton clan, as you can tell, because yeah. his name starts with A. He starts with A, He and also the fact that he is the Viscount. So he became the Viscount upon their father's death, and their father's death, le death left a big impression on him. Yes. Um, so he believes in love. He believes in... He, how can he not believe in love? He saw it every day growing up. With his parents and his father's treatment of the children. And But what he's decided is his father's death was so devastating for him and his mother that he doesn't want to fall in love because right. he doesn't want to cause that kind of right. pain. He also, this is a massive spoiler, but it was so fucking dumb. He has convinced himself that he is not going to live longer than his dad. Mm -hmm. So anyone he marries is going to be widowed. Right. So why, So he would rather marry someone who's not in love with him so she wouldn't be devastated when he dies. But why is he going to die at 38? Because his father also died at 38. But why does he think that? Look, if you read the author's afterword, which you never do, never, you would have learned that apparently this is common in men whose fathers die young. This is a common psychological thing. <laughs> Look, I'm just telling you what Julia Quinn told me in her author's note. Okay. So, uh, moving on from that piece of trivia, as usual with our romance novels, we wrote our own summary. 
and we generate a random number in order to tell us how long they should be. And this week's random number was 38. Okay, so here is Meg's 38 word summary. What can you do when your super hot younger sister is being courted by a super rake? Since you can't seduce him away, you're not hot enough. You keep telling him that he can't marry her. And it kind of works. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, that. look, the, the actual book jacket says Kate is like the most meddlesome schemer ever. No, all she does is be, she basically just tells Anthony every chance she gets, you can't marry my sister. You're not going to do it. I can't let you do it. Like that's basically her entire scheme. Basically, her sister, Kate and her sister are coming up together because the families have limited funds. So even though there's a very large age gap, they're making their debut together. Yeah, so Kate is 22 and Edwina is 17. Yes, and Kate and Edwina are half-sisters. Kate's mm -hmm. mother died when she was very young and her father has recently passed. But in sort of a subversion of tropes, Kate's stepmother loves her. Yeah, Kate's like, stepmother's wonderful. They're all very close. So while Edwina has the belle of the ball, the debutante of the season reputation, which is why Anthony picks her. And she's absolutely, she is beautiful. She is the season's incomparable. She's amazing. Right. Yada, yada, yada. It's become known within society that she won't marry someone her sister doesn't like or approve of. Right. Because they're so close. So Anthony, because he just wants to marry the incomparable, he doesn't care who she is. He just wants breeding stock. Right. In fact, he, the only thing he wants, he wants someone who's not stupid and who he can get it, get it up for mm -hmm. in bed, basically. Like, I'm not even kidding. This is literally what he says in the opening scene with his brothers. Yeah. And he's like, I, I, I'm going to, he decides... I'm now 28, since I only have 10 more years left to live, I need to get married this season. Uh, so let me find someone who's not too dumb and, and relatively hot. So tell me who the belle of the ball is this season. Her? I've seen her. Great. I'll marry her. Kate. I'll take that one. Flip side. Thinks her sister deserves... Love. Love. So, my 38 word summary. Two people very devoted to their respective families can't believe the same trait exists in another person. Cute and fun interactions don't make up for insecurity and bee freakouts. Existential conversations can wait until after he pulls out. <laughs> this was Lane's biggest issue with this book. We'll get to it in sexiness, obviously. But there's some serious conversations that happen mid-coitus. Yes. I, um, okay. So, so tropes. Oh, we have the younger sister who's super hot and the older sister who will do anything she can to get the younger sister a season. How many times have we seen that? Uh, a ton. But also, the younger sister feels a lot of pressure. Yes, the younger to sister. To make a good match for the family. Exactly. Yep. I think that one is maybe our most common lately. Yeah. Uh, just the importance of family in general. Family, I think that's this a Bridgerton is, series. It's thing. a Bridgerton thing. I, I've seen it in a lot of other books too, as well. I think it's sort of the. I think it's like the. The historical version of your friends um, show your character. Okay. You know, and then in the because those are of course now in if you're reading a temporary novel then your your friends are like your chosen family right right but back then your family is your family. chosen family <laughs> so okay so so the bridgertons obviously all about family yes. even kate with her sister and her stepmother are yeah. their own thing family that has been created um we have another example of ruination. Ruination. Why do they have to get married? Because she gets ruined. But what does getting ruined mean, Meg? 
Oh God, look, just listen to Walthar Wager and you'll find out about ruination. But in this book, it is ruination by beasting. <laughs> they are talking, Anthony and Kate. Um, Kate, as we've said, is, is incredibly opposed to Anthony and Edwina. Yeah. And however, as she gets to know him better, she realizes that, hey, maybe he's not so bad after all. Actually, I'm kind of crushing on this guy. And Anthony, meanwhile, is trying to express to her, like, maybe your sister is creepily young for me. Yeah, maybe I don't want to marry her. So they're talking at cross purposes. And then a, enter a, a bee. bee. <laughs> now, Anthony's father was killed by a, a bee. bee. So when he sees the bee, he, he freaks out. And the, because he freaks out, she gets bee, stung. She gets stung, like, on the clavicle, it sounds like. And so then he, like, tackles her to the ground sucks the bee venom out of her clavicle. Is that even something that could work? I mean, probably not, but I mean, I guess if you're ridiculously fixated on it, which he is, you might try to do that. I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, they are then in that exact moment. Discovered. Discovered. By the biggest gossip in town. And his mother. And his mother and her mother. And her mother. So, um, of course, they are unable to avoid anything else. He's gonna do the respectable thing. And even though they've barely, they've acknowledged the crushing, but only to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, only to themselves. So we're gonna talk about this later. Yeah, they don't acknowledge it to each other, but they both are like, fine, we're getting married. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, there, we've already talked about this, but of course, the man who refuses to fall in love. Oh, huge trope. Um, late night libraries. Oh my gosh, yes. I did like that part. Late night library run. Uh, trope we like less, you don't know you're beautiful. Blech. And that one involves the mid-coitus fight. <laughs> it's like hammered to death in this it is. book. Um, Near-death experience. <laughs> yes, yes, near-death experience, so true. Look, you know that if the major conflict in a book is someone's existential anxiety, their fear of death, someone is going to have an, a near-death experience and in this book. And we are We're not, not talking about the bee here, people. Thank you, Lane. There's another, because that is not a real near-death experience. No. No one is in any danger. We have an actual near-death experience. We have an experience. actual near-death experience. Um, All right, it's great. So I reread this book. Like I said, first time I read it, I liked it. Really liked this book. Second time I read it, Anthony really starts out as a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really jerky. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay, so we've already got, he, he's in the club, the, the, the literal old boys club, deciding who he's going to marry, right? Yeah. And he decides, I'm going to marry Edwina, and then he finds out that Kate doesn't want him to marry Edwina. And how is he going to convince Kate to get off the case by making out with her? Yeah, no, that ain't no sense. I don't know how he's going to get Kate to stop telling him not to marry Edwina by kissing her. Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't know the answer. Yeah. And, and literally in that scene, so this is, should be under offensiveness, really? Yeah. Okay. We can wait. All right. I just, Anthony's supposed to be this like big family man, right? Who was thrust into the role of family patriarch at 18. Yeah. And overall is treated like he's a good brother, but he also kind of reacted really selfishly to every hardship that's ever been presented to him. Yes. Between like his mother's widowhood and even like raising his siblings. It's not that he's been resentful, but he very much treats it as like his private pain. Mm -hmm. When like the whole family just lost their father. 
Yeah. And I mean, I didn't lose a parent, never lost a parent. I can imagine it's a horrible, horrible experience. But but I think it, when you were supposed it was supposed to make you more sympathetic to him yeah. like he's the man who carries this cross alone. Well, in this and book, it's yeah, sort of had the opposite effect on me, where I was. I, I think in the same way we get frustrated when people don't talk to their paramour in mm-hmm. these books. I was really frustrated that he'd like had all this internal anguish that he had never articulated to anyone. Yeah, he didn't talk to his mother about it. He didn't talk to his brothers, brothers about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, eh. All right. So, am I an awful person for thinking that 21, 22 is way too young for 28? Uh, in this world. I mean, look, I get it. She's supposed to be 21, and that's, like, older. And so, it's much it's better for me, 28. God, I'm such a hypocrite. My husband, I met my husband when I was 18. Yeah. And he's 23. And my friends all called him Uncle Jay. Because <laughs> he was older. <laughs> No, but I, this is the thing, and maybe this is me like splitting hairs that don't exist. I get that in this time period, men got married after they'd established themselves and could support a wife. He established himself at 18 years old. Right. No, he was the exception, but I'm just saying, I get that in that era, 30 year old men marrying 18 year old women was the norm. Yeah. And so to me... If the woman's over 20, <laughs> it's fine. The squick factor gets really reduced for me. Yeah. In the name, and it's arbitrary. It's true. Because this is true. Like historically, these girls were being pumped out at 16, 17 yeah. to get married. We're well, getting married at 16, 17. Well, but the fact that there's like, they're within a decade yeah. of each other and she's over 20, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to pick a bone on yeah. this one. Well, and well, that's the thing too. I'm like, Edwina's 17 and he's 28. That would have been gross. And then I was like, no wonder he's having a hard time imagining marrying her. I was like, she's probably not even at her adult height yet. <laughs> I mean, she probably is. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know when you stopped growing, but it was younger than 17 for me. Oh, no, no. I kept growing after college. I didn't. I reached my adult height at like 22. Oh, my God. I reached my adult height at like 15. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, Lane is really short, guys. I'm not. We're like the same height. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. I was just. The adult height younger. It has nothing to do with how tall I am. So, also, can we talk about how Anthony thinks about Kate when he still hates her? Yes, we can. Let's talk about it. Because it was creepiest. Like, that bothered me way more than the age difference. Tell me more. Well, just like, even before he likes her, he is both in his unconscious state and in his conscious state having these pretty graphic sexual fantasies about her. Yeah. But envisioning them as punishment for her um i mean kind of but also not really because he's so he's having he's having these erotic dreams and these erotic fantasies about her yeah and he doesn't like the fact that he's having them he's like oh my god i can't so believe like i'm imagining an asshole to her because of right this right sorry i articulated right. that poorly yeah he's not imagining he, this is not like a 50 shades of gray by no, no no he's not imagining like violent sex but he's like imagining using his sexual prowess over her yes. as a power play that was not cool no it's really weird yeah, it was fairly odd. And it also, and maybe this is just the difference between 2000 and 2019, but the lack of introspection about that on his oh, yeah. part made it even worse. Yeah. 
Uh, Pall Mall. Okay, that was really cute. Absolutely, 100% best part of this book. Yeah. Is their croquet game. So basically, the Bridgerton family, as a big close family, you know, have weird traditions. <laughs> but one Look, of, I have a family that's much smaller and we've, we have some weird traditions. Yeah, but there's a lot of kids to participate in them. Exactly. And one of them is they have just made up all their own rules to Pall Mall. Basically, the point of the game is not to win, but to make everyone else lose. Yes. And they all pick the colors of the mallets based on what's going to piss other people off the most. Yes, and like they set the design of the course based on what is the most confusing and difficult to navigate. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to put the wicket right next to a tree branch, a tree they're going to put the wicket right next to a tree root. Yes. Uh, or really close to the lake or like at a not straight angle at all to yeah. the next one. Like over a ridge, you can't even see it. Exactly. Uh, so, so first of all, the setup is hilarious. And then they actually play the game. And it, it's, it's so fun. Really, really fun. They all compete over the black mallet, which they call the mallet, the mallet of, death. of death. It's hilarious. And it comes up again. Yes, comes up again. This it's it's absolutely best part of the book. So cute, so fun. This is the point where you say, "Oh, actually, okay, now I see why someone might want to marry Anthony." Yeah. Like no, before this point, I was like, "Okay, I guess he's good-looking and rich." Yeah. So I, you wouldn't want to marry him for that reason, but now he's actually also personable. Yeah. And funny. No, it was a good moment for him, but it also felt like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to know where it came from, Colin. <laughs> We're, you're two books away, Meg. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. <laughs> but yeah, the whole reason they decide to play is because Colin is like, let's play Fall Mall. You love Colin so much. I love Colin so much. So much. Okay. I do. I really do. I really do. Um, the... As we say, they're forced to get married because she was ruined by a bee sting. So, um, uh, look, I didn't hate this. If you're going to get ruined in a book, bee sting ruination is not the worst way to do it. Like, I have, I would much rather this than, and I've seen this. How many times have you seen someone get ruined in a book? Okay, my favorite, stupidest way is someone got stuck in a bench, in a wicker bench, and couldn't get out. And then the guy came and helped her like detach her skirt from the wicker bench and someone caught them. Here's the thing. While that is a dumber thing to be ruined over, at least Anthony's mouth was actually on her. Right. That makes more sense to me as an interaction between two people than tackling a woman <laughs> to the ground who you caused to get stung by a bee. Yeah, he caught, Who is yeah. not allergic to bees. Yeah, but he didn't know, you know, he didn't know. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't. I, I was not in any way bothered by the, the, the physical mechanics of the beasting renation scene. I will say um, it could have been improved in one very important way. So basically, they're sitting here having this conversation around each other yeah. about marrying Edwina. Right, where he's kind of being like he's kind of being like I don't want to. I would. I don't want to marry Edwina anymore. Cause yeah, I think because I am more attracted to you. Right. But I still don't want to marry you because I can't marry someone I'm into. Right. But. He still doesn't want to marry her, but he doesn't want to marry Edwina. And she has admitted to herself that she's really into Anthony and that it would be really upsetting if he married her sister. Because, like, you don't want to have to bone your brother-in-law. I mean, totally fair. Yeah, like, that's tough. 100% fair. And she has no idea that he's into her. Although, right. 
He did kiss her before. But he wasn't into her when he kissed her. God. Okay. So the, the one thing, the only thing, I'm not saying they have to like totally admit their feelings for each other in this scene, but I would at least have liked her, instead of saying, I withdraw my objection to your marrying Edwina, say, look, I, th I have changed my mind about you. I don't think you're a terrible person anymore. I would still rather that you not marry Edwina. This is very embarrassing to say, but I have feelings for you, and it would be very uncomfortable for me to go through the rest of my life at family gatherings this way. Yeah. You know, now the ball's in your court, just letting you know that's how I feel. I w that would have improved this Before she got stuck by a bee? Well, she doesn't say it after she got stung by the bee either. No, that's what I'm saying. So your dream vision oh, yeah. of the scenario is... That's what she says, and, and then, then she gets, she gets stung, stung by, by a bee. bee. Okay. So he doesn't have to admit his feelings for her. He's just more like, I guess I'll take advantage of the bee sting? I don't know. <laughs> okay. That w Basically, it really verged on the, the big misunderstanding to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that wasn't great. So, um, also, as part of preparing for this marriage... Kate gets the talk from her state stepmother. Oh my God, can I tell you how bad Julia Quinn's mothers are at explaining the mechanics of sex to their daughters? It was ludicrous. I think the funniest part for me was Edwina wanting to stay in the room and not that be allowed. It was so funny. I mean, it's very cute. Um, I think this, the part that really annoyed me is that Mary is like, I promised myself that I would let no child, no daughter of mine go into marriage as ignorant as I was. And yet then she explains nothing about the mechanics. No. She just is like, don't worry, your husband's going to want to fuck anyone anyway. So go for it. <laughs> That's I, what she says. I mean, pretty much. Um, Basically, she, you know, Kate is like, what do I do if he doesn't want to fuck me? I mean, not in those words, but Mary's like, oh, don't worry, he's going to want to fuck you. When men are around women, they want to, they get boners. So <laughs> don't worry, it'll be fine. Whole sex talk. Yeah, that was it. Okay, He'll bye. get it up. <laughs> Done. Motherhood. Sit back and enjoy. Um, <laughs> because we've been trashing this a lot. The families are well written. The families are so well written. The dialogue is so cute. The whole Paul Mall scene is so amazing. Violet Bridgerton. A plus ah. plus. I love you, Violet. Yeah. Like, I love Violet Bridgerton. You can tell Julia Quinn loves Violet Bridgerton. Yeah. And I think that that really comes through in these books. Yes. Um, definitely the family interaction, dialogue in general, the humor is the, really good. The Bridgertons are so likable. The Bridgertons as a family are great. Individually, I'm they've really got some flaws. I'm struggling with these books. <laughs> I, want, I want the romances to be as good as the family Yeah, is. yeah, yes. And there's one that is, Meg. Just wait, <laughs> just wait for Colin. But oh there's God. eight of them. There's a lot of them. And I'm not doing so well so far. I know. Okay. Um, so let's talk about why they offended us. Like, why don't we like these so much? Uh, so, okay, there's this scene in the library. The, okay, so this is not the midnight library run. No, this is the it's daytime. It's a different library run. They're at, the, they're at a ball at Bridgerton House. Kate's there, and Kate wants to get away from the hustle and bustle. So she walks away and goes to the library. Yes. Mm. And then who should come into the library but Anthony and an opera singer who he wants to set up a liaison with who I think he's had a liaison with yeah and he's considering setting up with her own establishment yeah and instead of just letting them come in and her and she's like oh gosh 
I was in here. I was in the library. I wanted to get away from the hustle and bustle. This isn't actually the library. I think it's his study. Okay. But yeah. Excuse me. Which makes more sense. Yeah. Um, she hides under the desk. And then mm -hmm. they have a whole explicit conversation. Anthony and the opera singer. Uh-huh. Before they know she's there. Then he sees that she's there. And he steps on her hand and, like, really hurts it. Yep. Like, squishes her hand. Then he makes the opera singer go away. And then he punishes Kate for eavesdropping by making out with her. Yes. So this is, like, sex. Punishment sex. Yes. Punishment make out. And literally, in the scene, it's written, he could feel that she was, she had stiffened against him and was awkward, uh, but he didn't think it was because she wanted him to stop. Well, guess what, Anthony? There's a really easy way to figure out whether she wants you to stop or not, and that's, you say, hey, you want me to stop? And if she says, yeah, then you stop. But mm. if she says no, you could just keep kissing her. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. Well, keep it in mind for your next makeout sesh. Yeah. Um, so consent, consent. I think that one? might be the word I'm looking for. All and, right. and we could even add to that, which is enthusiastic. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the thing that was most offensive to me in the whole book. <laughs> she had to reference it in her summary that I, I had to reference it in my summary. So, um, they are consummating their marriage. Yeah. And so keep in mind that Kate believes, Kate knows that he wanted to marry Edwina. Yes. And then Kate's preparation for the wedding night was her mother saying, don't He'll worry, up. men will get it up yep. regardless of who's in their bed. Yep. So mid-coitus. Somehow it comes up that she, you know, isn't Edwina. He says, you're so beautiful. Right. And like he's in the middle of like getting it on and like I'm not like literally this is to take everything we're saying like at, at the most explicit you can get and like mid thrust uh-huh he's like you're he, beautiful you're beautiful <laughs> when you re he realizes she's like stiffened and like isn't into that and like doesn't believe him and again Guess what? Anthony understands at this point that he should probably stop doing what he's doing and talk to her. But instead, he stops while fully penetrating her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And they have a conversation about how she doesn't know she's beautiful <laughs> while he's in her. Yeah. And then, and then he just resumes thrusting. Yeah. And so I hated this <laughs> so much. I can't even tell you. Like, it is rare that... With one of these romance novels, I text Meg mid-book. <laughs> like, it is rare. Usually I wait, because, like, I don't want to... Okay, she'll text me during, like, a Lady Sherlock book. Right, or, like, a Borkosigan or whatever. But, like, yeah. during the romance novels, because, you know, as we've talked about, spoiler alert, they end up together. Right. Like, I know where this is heading. I'm not, like, stressed out about the conclusion. Right, right. I was so livid. Livid. During the sequence, I had to text Egan. She was in the middle. when I was in the middle of it. And honestly, this, this is my summary of the characters. He was an asshole. Yeah. Through the whole thing. He never really stops being a dick. She was way too insecure for being as, like, feisty as she was supposed to be. I did not care about these people, and I've already forgotten this book. <laughs> okay. There we go. So we've already talked about sexiness. I'll say it's not super sexy in general. But that I think Anthony must be a boob guy. Yeah. Because, like, he's really into her boobs. And we got a lot of boob scenes. Well, that's also the biggest contrast between her and Edwina. <laughs> also true. 
true. And Weena's like, ethereal. Yeah. So I think it was also so brought up to be like, don't worry. She's, you know, not fashionably slender. She's just got a perfect body. She's got a nice rack. <laughs> Anthony is into it. I hated literally everything about their <laughs> dynamic with one another, including his fixation on her boobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I liked the makeout scenes. So here's the other thing with, with Julia Quinn is that her books are not, there's not a, like a lot of sex. We're no. not talking about Elizabeth Hoyt here. But don't worry, it's graphic enough that you know he stayed inside of her while they were having right. a conversation about her face. And so that's the thing. We, if we have one explicit sex scene and it's Cletus interrupt us <laughs> to have a long conversation. Yeah. And then Cletus resume us afterwards. It's a little weird. Yeah, it was very weird. Because we've, we've just got the one scene. So <laughs> if you like boob makeouts, it's sexy. Between characters who questionably like each other. This is after they're engaged. All right. And so they like each other okay, fine. at this point. So okay. I liked it. All right. I, I didn't, that part, I liked that scene. I thought it was nice. But you're right. If you've got one sex scene, make it sexy and not an angsty conversation. I did these notes a while ago. Apparently, I really couldn't get over the fight while he was inside of her because I have another comment about it. She keeps talking just about go, it. Can't remember any sexiness, but can remember him sucking bee poison out of her clavicle and the discussion while he was inside of her. I know, guys. If in case you were wondering, Lane was like I'm really offended by that moment. By that moment. <laughs> like, I'm never going to be able to reread this book because the second that happens, I'm just going to die inside yeah. again. So, so I wonder. So here's the thing. I wonder what the first season. Of of the Bridgertons is going to be like on Netflix. Like, I wonder if it's just going to be the Duke and I, because Kate, the character for Kate was not announced, but the opera singer was. Oh, mm -hmm. so maybe she'll be in the background. Like that'll be Anthony's fling of the moment to try to create a little bit more narrative a cohesion bit more between narrative. them. Right. So That's they interesting. did. I did hear somewhere. This is total absolute rumor because it was a comment on an Instagram post. Perfect. And I don't think it was a comment from someone who like had read the script or anything like that. But someone said, no, actually, there's not going to be any Kate. It's going to be the opera singer. He's going to marry the opera singer. Marry? Mm-hmm. Wait, marry the opera singer? Yeah, they're going to get rid of Kate totally altogether, and this the opera singer will be the new romantic attraction. Interesting. I mean, I could see them casting the opera singer instead of Kate as, like, Anthony's background paramour, mm -hmm. so then, like, when Kate shows so up that, in season two... So more tension or whatever. Yeah. Right. I could see that happening, but it'd be really weird for them to write out Kate unless this one's really not popular. I don't know. I think it's really popular. People really seem then to I'd like Then I'd have Anthony. to imagine the opera singer was more being cast to build dramatic tension That's between what it seems series like to me and not, too. like, as a new but wife. But then it makes, me it makes me think that the season one is just going to be the Duke and I. Right. You know what I might like better hmm. when you talk about adapting these things? And I don't know how much they'll be willing to change it. I'd sort of like it if the Anthony's dilemma was between a just like opera singer he wasn't in love with and Kate. Like right. kind of Not eliminate the romance the with a 17 year old. Yes. Yeah. And instead have it be a choice between a disrespectable woman he's not in love with and Kate. Yeah. Could, could be interesting. And also, I mean, I, I am, look, this is another one where like I read the book and I was like, how are they going to translate mm -hmm. this existential anxiety, right? This fear of death yeah. to the screen. Yeah. Like 
how are they going to do that? But there are so many things that are unadaptable that they just make work. Like Game of Thrones aged all the characters up like five years. Oh, thank the Lord. No, I know. But like, and what was I thinking about? Oh, Twilight. Yeah. How... He oh. still bit through her stomach. No, but <laughs> to no, deliver exactly. the baby. Like, but you would have thought reading the Twilight books that they would have changed that. Part. That Jacob falling in love with an infant wasn't adaptable. Yeah, and yet, <laughs> and yet, it made it to the screen. Well, so anyway, I guess I, I guess I am interested to see. I don't know how they adapt Duke and I. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so I was like, what I'm saying. So. In summary, what we are saying is, bring on this Netflix series. We are going to watch the shit out of it, because I want to know how in the world they're going to adapt it. Can you think of another series? Because like, a lot of book series do this, right? Where like intergenerational family stuff, mm-hmm. where characters who appear in early books as children mm-hmm. are in later books as the main characters slash romantic leads, depending on if it's a romance or not. Mm-hmm. I can't think of TV shows that do the same. Where, like, I watched several seasons of a show, liked the parents or the big sisters, and then subsequent seasons later was watching, you know, the 10-year-old from season one fall in love and get married. I can't think of TV series that do that, no. I can think of movies where they'll, they'll introduce a character who's young and then age them. But in the course of the same film, in the case, not right. like where over the course of a series you can no. attach to them as a child and no. then you're rooting for them as an Could adult. Could be really interesting. Yeah, I'm just, uh, listeners, if you can think of any examples, I'm just, it's really easy mentally, I feel like, for us to f- take a character who's a child in a book and then conceive of them mm-hmm. as an adult. I don't know if I'll even be able to do it with a TV show. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch three seasons of Baby Gregory. Uh, yeah. And then get to book eight. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I yeah. mean, I, I'm... I, and, of course, they might not make the later ones if it's not popular. True. So, it'll be interesting. But, yeah. I'm excited. Anyway, in summary, I hated this book. I did not hate this book. I, I maintain that it is very cute. Um, and... You can read the Palmal scene, I guess. Yeah. Palmal scene is cute. Guys, all right. Here's the issue. Here is the issue. I love Colin so much that I will reread these books to like read the Colin scenes. Uh-huh. This is mhm. So I think I do think it's worthwhile reading in order if for when you get to Colin's Colin. book. <laughs> because it it just makes it just oh, we'll get, we will get there when we get to the next book, Offer from a Gentleman, but like this is where I really go on my Colin rant. But like think about Look, think. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Look, we have the Duke and I, okay? Yeah. And we have some scenes with Anthony in the Duke and I where mm-hmm. he's like very, he's a patriarch. He wants to take care of his family. He's protective older brother very in protective. that one. And, yeah. and I liked him in that book. I thought he was good. And I think his character was maintained. But what about Colin? Colin was like the nice older brother who hung out with Daphne and like helped her interrupt the duel. Yeah. Okay. And then in this book, he's like, let's play Paul Mall. <laughs> I think Anthony has a crush on Kate, so I'm going to ask Kate to help play. Look, who is the catalyst for all these people getting together? Colin. How do you feel about Colin? Uh, he's the, if I were going to marry a Bridgerton brother, it would obviously be Car- Bridgerton brother three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>